Welcome to Off-Leash Arts, Conversations on Creativity. I'm your host, Tanya Schaefer. In this podcast, I talk with a range of artists about their creative process, what excites them, ignites them, and gets them to that feeling of being off-leash. And what I mean by that is that joy you witness when a dog is released from its leash and it just runs, following its instincts in the purest way, going wherever its nose takes it. My guest today is someone I feel embodies that spirit of free-flowing creativity and curiosity, singer, songwriter, climate change activist, Vienna Tang. Throughout her 20-year career as a singer-songwriter, Vienna has released six albums, including her 2013 album, Ames, which received four independent music awards, including Best Adult Contemporary Album, the most independent music awards any artist has ever received in a given year. During this time, she's appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman, NPR's Weekend Edition, CBS's Early Show, and CNN's Newsnight with Aaron Brown. And she's toured with a wide range of artists, including Joan Baez, Brandi Carlisle, Duncan Sheik, The Indigo Girls, and many more. She's also amassed a deeply passionate international fan base. Vienna and I collaborated on the musical The Fourth Messenger, which we developed together over a period of around seven years from our first meeting in 2006 to the 2013 premiere. She also sang the lead role of Mama Sid on The Fourth Messenger album, released in 2015. As if all this weren't enough, Vienna went back to school in 2010 and got a dual master's degree in business and environmental science from the University of Michigan's Herb Institute for Global Sustainable Development. She currently works as global director for Sustainable Communities Rethinking Recycling Initiative for McKinsey.org. Now, I should add that when Vienna and I were introduced by a mutual friend as possible collaborators, I was already a fan of her gorgeous lyrical music. I'd seen her open for Sean Colvin and attended a couple of her Bay Area concerts. Her song, Soon Love Soon, was even a part of my wedding ceremony. Hi, Vienna. Welcome to Off Leash Arts. So good to be here, Tanya. Thanks for having me. And it's great to be reunited, (laughs) if virtually. It's great to talk to you. You have recently undertaken perhaps the ultimate creative act and given birth to a human child who appears insanely adorable in the pictures. <laughs> How is that? That is going? true. Um, it's been going really well. It's been going better than I thought because I'm the sort of person who had to overly intellectually overthink whether or not to have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Um, there was back and forth for many years. Yes. Um, So I finally just kind of had to make not any kind of gut decision, but just a decision. And so I didn't know what I would feel or how it would be. And as it turns out, it's been wonderful. I have been so enjoying it. And uh, I've been telling friends that it's nice to be biochemically rewired to find this the most interesting thing in the world. That's really cool. Yeah, there is something about that, right? Like when it's your own child, that sense of miracle is like... Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I am getting the experience that I hoped, which is that like recentering my entire life around another human being, which I've never had to do. I've always been able to be selfish and a little self-centered and do things according to what I want. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was the terror of what I was signing away, mm-hmm. but also just having to pay so close attention to someone physically, emotionally, you know, um, and and realize that like, okay, you and I are embarking on this lifelong partnership together for me to learn who you are, for you to learn how to be in the world, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge undertaking, but like the fact that I 
put, you know, there, there's so many like friendships and relationships that are more than anything because you've spent so much time with someone and had to, you know, know them so well. And I feel like this is the ultimate, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, was the quarantine already happening when she was born? Um, we actually snuck right under <laughs> that, <laughs> that in terms of the timeline. Um, she was born February 25th. So in the early weeks of her life was when kind of COVID really started to sweep across the world in terms of changing our lives to what they are now. <laughs> mm, so in many ways, it's kind of ideal timing for having a baby yeah. just in terms of like a time when you would want to be home anyway. Right. It was, it's been really surreal because I've, you know, my heart has gone out to all these friends and family who have had their lives totally turned upside down by it. Yeah. When people ask like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I was on maternity leave already. So I was holed up in my house, not planning on going anywhere and just kind of making my world very small and then kind of watched in kind of slow disbelief as that happened to everybody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, yeah, I do feel really lucky in this very surreal, strange way. Mm, yeah. So we've known each other for 14 years now. And during that time, I've seen you do so many things and live so many places from Bay Area, New York, Ann Arbor, Detroit, Boulder, and now DC, right? Right. And so I, I know I've heard you say before that you get bored doing any one thing for too long, even if that thing's music. <laughs> Tell me right? about that. Yeah. I do feel like uh, the, the joke that I've made is that I have long-term ADD. So every you know five to seven years, I need to switch it all up, um, whether it's a career change or a location change or just like a big reconfiguring of life. And um, so I think there's that sort of restlessness where I do want to really invest in something or some place, but then, you know, that, that lasts for, you know, several years. <laughs> <laughs> it's also honestly been part of a lifelong quest, you could say, to figure out like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? Um, and in this season, where should I be putting my time? The, the negative way of putting it is that I haven't figured out what to do with my life. And so that's why I keep kind of, yeah, this is restlessness of kind of puttering around, switching, switching things up. I guess the positive interpretation is that I'm multifaceted and I've understood that about myself. And, you know, these, there's a sort of wax and wane to the different parts of myself that I want to emphasize or explore. So that's kind of how life ends up looking. I don't know which interpretation is correct. Maybe both. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's a characteristic of a lot of artists that they're always shifting to some extent, maybe not as dramatically, but following their interests. So I actually think that's kind of yeah. a gift in terms of creativity to not let yourself get into a rut. So I'll yeah. take the positive. <laughs> Um, I know in your current day job, you're working on getting communities to radically reduce their waste and increase their recycling. One thing I'm curious about is whether you feel like the creative brain muscles that you use when you write music, does it feel similar when you're strategizing an approach to solving environmental issues? Is it a similar sense of creative flow or is it something totally different? What I've realized is that there are parts of the creative process and actually finishing something and actually bringing it out into the world that are so similar to other jobs I've had. So in that sense, yes. Like when I'm producing an album or putting a tour together, or rehearsing an album with musicians, like there's a lot of parallels to 
working for a nonprofit to being part of a you know strategy consulting firm or, or things like that. There's a lot of you know working together, figuring out how to communicate, taking an idea and like kind of the best ideas in the room and figuring out what to do, hitting dead ends, you know, trying new things and you know trying to be creatively resilient that way. I do think though that there's something about the creative process of like starting something, getting inspiration, following a seed or, you know, following a kind of a spirit's whispers that kind of die out. And then you're kind of in the middle of a trail saying, what now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That all of that feels pretty different though. Um, That one has that, that part of the process feels like it, it taps into a much more spiritual and personal place than a lot of other work does. But I would say that the other part that feels very similar is kind of connecting to why you do anything, why why you make any of it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I find that I do my best work at, you know, McKinsey.org sustainable communities or as a computer programmer or, you know, any of these other things that I've tried to do in my life. I do my best work when I'm really kind of putting myself in the shoes of other people and really kind of understanding where they're coming from, understanding what they're trying to do and really caring about that and kind of falling in love with what they what they dream of and what they want. Does that apply to songwriting as well as to your other work? It does. I think a lot of it comes down to like, well, what am I what am I trying to say in such a way that like this will serve someone someday? Whether it's that they feel seen or that they feel that I've expressed something that really makes them feel something. And of course, I'm the sort of the first audience always. Like, if I'm excited, I hope someone else is excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think the test of it is my own imperfect sense of whether this will be a good companion to someone. And when a song is first coming to you, is it like you've been thinking about a topic and a song on a certain topic arises? Or is it just more like some little piece of music will get into your head and want to get out? <laughs> <laughs> It's come all sorts of different ways. And to be honest, like the older I get, the harder and slower it is. <laughs> like they come from what I call like harder to sprout seeds. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, when I was when I was young, when I was first writing in my teens, it would just come from anything. It would come from an idea, it come from like a lyric, it come from a little hook that I would hum to myself, it come from messing around at the piano and coming up with a little motif I like. It come from lots of different sources. And now I think I mostly come from an idea of a concept of here's a kind of song I'd like to write and it'd have this shape it'd have these you could almost say like specifications like here's sort of the architectural drawing Mm. for it or the brief for it you could say so it's almost like giving myself an assignment like I'd like to write a song that feels like this um which I find actually really hard to do (laughs) (laughs) I think our work together on the fourth messenger was my first time really learning how to do that like well there's this character and like the song needs to be this long and you know kind of you know and then you would have lyrics that it would need to be set to already and um for whatever reason I find that really difficult um to then feel like now plug inspiration in here (laughs) (laughs) for example like one idea that I've had over the last few months is I would love to write more music that is meant to be sung without any expert instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Like basically in a COVID world, if we were to stand in an alley or you know on our front porches and like sing, you know, make some music together, like what would that sound like? So the idea is that like, oh, it'd be great if there were songs that were simple enough to teach someone that they could then 
sing it within you know a few minutes of learning it, but also has something lyrically interesting going on. Um, and maybe there's something where there's even a melody and a counter melody where the melody is sort of like the first half of Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, where it's like kid friendly and you know, uh-huh. and and you could just sing it and like it would kind of stand on its own. But then if you layer in a second one, then it takes on new meaning and is maybe darker or more complicated, and you could sing them together. So that's the brief I've written for myself. I haven't produced anything that, cool. <laughs> but from there is when I you know need to kind of put in work and really be patient with you know whether inspiration hits or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, when we were writing together, I know that my idea of how you collaborate on a song evolved a lot. Like I had this notion going in, well, I'll just write the lyrics and I'll give them to you and you'll put them to music. And then they'd come back and they'd be changed. And I'd be like, why is this changed? But as I went along, (laughs) I really learned that I didn't know nearly as much about songwriting as I thought I did. And that the lines in the collaboration got blurry and a much better product came out of, you know, you're kind of reshaping the lyrics. And that was interesting. Well, I'm glad you felt that way. (laughs) I know not always in the moment. You're like, hey, I like that lyric. (laughs) Why did it disappear? (laughs) And part of it is honestly the result of working with me specifically, right? Because I'd never written for theater or with a collaborator in that way either. So I think you were working with me the only way I knew how, (laughs) not necessarily how like songwriting works per se. Maybe not, but I think I learned a lot more about the shape of a song through that process because I had listened to a lot of songs, but I hadn't really written a lot of songs. And you were trying to find your way into the song by finding, you know, a hook and a shape for a verse. And I know that when we got to the last song we wrote, Force of Nature, that was just about the only one where... um, no lyrics pretty much got changed. And it was because at that point we'd been working together like seven years and I'd finally sort of learned (laughs) to channel the shape of a song. (laughs) And that was also the first one where we had the music before the lyrics. So that was different too. Right. Yeah. I think um, different process, right? Yeah. So yeah, it just takes a lot of different forms. And I think, yeah, the starting point we often had, which is you had written a scene, you had ideas in mind for the characters, and then you had these lyrics yeah, for whatever reason, and when I sat down with it, I would often feel like, I don't understand this, and I may have to mess with it <laughs> until I understand. <laughs> yeah. I know when you recorded Ames, you used a kind of different process than you had in the past, and you ended up writing a lot of lyrics on the spot. Yeah, well, at the last minute, it was a frantic, <laughs> a frantic push to write lyrics, which is not always how I like to do it, but it was just what, what ended up happening. Yeah, Ames was a very music-first album overall. Mm. And like we had, in some cases, assembled the entire recording except for the vocals. And so it had this whole world that had been created sonically. And then I said, okay, now I guess I have to figure out what this song wants to say. (laughs) (laughs) So would you say it was more collaborative on the musical end than your previous albums in terms of working with the producer? Not more collaborative. Definitely when I made, like the last two albums I've made, like Inland Territory, I made with my good friend Alex Wong. And so that was already very collaborative in terms of um, producing it. Um, I would say, though, like the fact that I was starting with half finished songs or in some cases, no song at all. (laughs) And going into the studio with uh, Case and the producer, that was new. He was fortunately open to the 
notion of like, here's a scrap of something. Let's start to actually record things around it and see what happens. So it was it was much more coming into the studio with things much less finished than they usually are song-wise. Mm-hmm. Came out amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy with it too. And I was shocked to find that the lyrics that I wrote so quickly stood the test of time for me. So yeah. um, maybe it's a good... It's a good hint. <laughs> it's really cool. I mean, I teach these writing workshops now, off-leash writing, where it's all generative in the moment. And right. I'm trying to get people to, you know, that place where you're just what they call burning through to first thoughts, you know, whatever's there, whatever's there. And I mean, of course, to turn it into a finished piece, you're going to end up doing a lot of editing. But the thing is that there is a lot of really exciting material that comes from that raw place because it's like letting your unconscious take the lead. Right, right. And I think for each individual person, it's about figuring out the things that you have to do to support a state of flow starting to happen. And for some people, it's getting into the right environment or, you know, having some kind of audience that you're you know, sending it to your partner or to your writing group or whatever it might be. And I, I've talked about how I actually have sort of a poor work ethic as a songwriter, <laughs> where I really don't like to put in the work of getting there. Um, and so I avoid it a lot. And I've, I've done a whole lot of procrastinating when I'm supposed to be trying to write songs. <laughs> That's a great word. Yeah. So um, what I realized is that for me, it's actually about, like you said, burning through first thoughts or sometimes second or third thoughts, like actually being patient with sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to write and I may write things that I find very dissatisfactory and really not very good, but still considering that having been a good day's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and just letting that happen and saying that if we use the water analogy, then like sometimes you need to prime the pump, right? Mm-hmm. You need to let some of this other stuff out before what you're really creating actually shows up. Yeah. Um, I, I always have to tell myself that to get myself to write a draft of anything. I just have to be like, this is going to be crap that no one's going to see, you know, right. in order to start. Because <laughs> otherwise, right. <laughs> you're sitting there like, I'm now going to write a great scene or a great song. It's kind of uh, inhibiting. Right. <laughs> And I think the other thing, which I've been trying to remind myself, because it's now been years since I wrote kind of new songs or new things, and my life is oriented around much different stuff, first work and now a baby. <laughs> so I've realized that, yeah, two things I need to keep in mind. One is that priming the pump and like kind of getting myself warmed up is really important. And related to that is what you said. I'm not going to create a masterpiece from day one. And then Another thing I've realized is that when I'm really not feeling inspired, going back to being a student of someone else's work is actually the best way I can use my time. Mm. So if I'm not feeling it and I'm beating myself up, up like, oh, I'm not, I'll never write a great song again because you know I just don't have it in me. I've written everything worth writing out of my own brain then sometimes it's all right to say like, well, look, let's go learn a Paul Simon song we don't know. Maybe I've heard it, but I don't know the chords and I've never tried to kind of learn it by ear or, you know, something by the Beatles or, you know, or or anybody that I really look up to and just say like, well, you know, how is this song put together? And just kind of like understanding that and like breaking it down. And more often than not, I'll find that there's something surprising about how this other person put things together that I wouldn't have thought of. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. 
maybe I can use that. <laughs> <laughs> and then will that lead you to, you know, ideas sort of riffing off of it? Right. Yeah. And sometimes not even consciously, but just having spent time, you know, not in a sort of a infinite loop of worrying about my own ego and whether I'm creating great stuff. I'm just really enjoying someone else's work by going deep into it. And then sometimes what comes out of that is not obvious, like, oh, well, I learned these songs by this person and that directly inspired something of mine. But then I kind of end up in a more comfortable space of just creating something with some new subconscious inspiration or conscious inspiration or both. (laughs) Yeah. So to get to that state of flow, is it mainly about setting aside the time where you're sitting down for it and not doing something else? Or are there other things you do to create the conditions? (laughs) Yeah, I found that telling myself I'm setting aside the time is the most important thing. It's different for other folks, I think. But for me, definitely just saying like, this hour or this set of hours is set aside for me to do this. Yeah. I'm not the sort of writer who gets inspired at random. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, I know other people work that way. They're like, oh, I think of songs in the shower. I think of songs when I'm driving. I'm like, I don't think of songs ever unless I'm telling myself that now is the time (laughs) for me to start working. Yeah. My writing teacher, Jonathan Lethem, used to say, you show up and the muse will keep the appointment. Right. (laughs) Similar concept. (laughs) Um, So speaking of songwriting, I thought we might try something kind of fun during this, where we're not just talking about creativity, but actually creating something. I've been doing these exercises with my writing workshops where I throw out phrases and we go around our now virtual circle and everyone finishes the sentence and I write down what they said and then I read the whole thing back to them. I call this a collective poem and we do this as a warm up so it's very spontaneous. I ask people to just fling out the first thing that comes into their head. So I wanted to take one of these collective poems, which we generated in my Wednesday writing workshop, and play around with using it as inspiration for a song. The way we generated this one is we went around our circle three times, and I asked each person to create a sentence starting with each of these three phrases. The first time it was, if we were in the room together, the second time it was in these strange times, and the third was, when I want to be quiet. So, I'm going to read the whole poem so people can hear it once just as it was spoken. And then I'm going to ask you to play around with making any part of this that moves you into a song. I have the permission and blessing of the folks in the workshop to do this, and they're fine with us using it here in whatever way evolves. They're not at all attached to the words as they were originally created. So, I've titled this poem In These Strange Times. If we were in the room together, I'd give each of you a big hug. I would feel less disembodied. I would be ecstatic. I'd serve you muffins. We could look out at the rainy woods. I'd be holding my mug of that great tea. I'd be so happy drinking tea and eating your mixed nuts. We could pass tissues for tears. In these strange times, I greatly appreciate my dogs. I decided to wear earrings for the first time since I've been homebound. I seek signs of hope. I look to my dog, Chloe, for perspective. I'm strangely happy and peaceful. I'm so damn glad I signed up for this writing group. I'm so realizing and grateful for such interdependence. In the room together struck fear in my heart. When I want to be quiet, I try to meditate. I pick up a book. I take deep breaths. 
I put in my earbuds to listen to a voice that is not my own. I listen to my breathing. And now when I want to be quiet, I'm going to draw on these things that you are sharing with me. I read or go for a walk. I remind myself I'm a woman and a patient first. I need to add an asterisk to that last line because the person who wrote it wanted people to know that that was ironic. She deals with a lot of ongoing medical conditions and that was meant to be sort of in quotes. I'm a woman and a patient first. Mm. So Wow. That's a wonderful way to write a poem. I love that it fits together even though it was a collective effort with individual contributions. I love that too. And I always just write it down exactly in the order it comes out. And a lot of times there's something magical about it. It's really fun. Yeah. I was just going to ask whether the group had then kind of rearranged them in a certain order, but hmm. So in the spirit of just kind of fleeing things out there, <laughs> the first thought that comes to mind for me musically is to kind of follow your lead in terms of the prompt that you gave the group. So you gave them three kind of beginnings of sentences for people to finish. And that feels to me like a sort of call and response, right? If you took the phrases, if we were in the room together in these strange times when I want to be quiet, and that could be sort of the the motif that repeats that maybe is like sung by a group. Mm. And so you would have a group saying, you know, when I want to be quiet, you know, or something like that. And maybe there's, you know, some sort of whole verse or whole refrain that you built around that. When I want to be quiet, what do I do? What do I do when I want to be quiet? And then someone will respond, you know, solo. So they could say, I listen to my breathing in, out, in, out. And then when I want to be quiet, you know, like, so there's a kind of back and forth. That's my first idea. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's one direction we could take it. Another direction is to take certain phrases and to kind of go through the poem again. And there might be some lines that just feel like they lend themselves to being lyrics or lend themselves to being sung. There might be a rhythm to them. There might be um, something about them that just feels like, oh, I can imagine singing that instead of speaking it. Yeah. Um, and kind of taking that thread and saying, okay, if we like a particular one, maybe we build the song around that. Um, the one that felt most like that to me was actually the last one. Um, I'm a woman and a patient first because... There's a bit of ambiguity and mystery in that for me. I think I know what this person means. You know, you remind yourself that there's a condition that you have to honor and like take care of yourself. Um, what is it that this person's saying about I'm I'm a woman first as well as a patient first? There's a lot of kind of questions that that raises, and maybe that's a line that you open with and then kind of unpack what that might mean. Yeah, it is mysterious. I don't think anyone wants to feel like a patient first, but sometimes that's how you're treated if you have a medical condition. Right. And then from there, if we were to string it into I'm a woman and a patient first, then like what other lines that are in this poem could follow that, that serve as a kind of maybe explanation or exploration of that? Um, I take so deep breath. I, right. And it could be uh, looking for other lines that are talking about a very limited existence, maybe. Like if you imagine a patient whose life is sort of delineated by some of the things that are required of them when they're a patient. So I take deep breaths feels very intimate and very close. 
And then there was another one of we uh, look out at the woods. Um, yeah, I was just look out at the rainy woods. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something poetic about that and imagining being inside and looking out through the windows. Right. And rainy woods also begins to set the song somewhere. Right. Um, and then I also was thinking that uh, then we could take one of the prompts and one of the questions to say, like, when I want to be quiet and maybe pick something that's more counterintuitive. So we could pick one of the responses under when I want to be quiet, or we could switch it up and go somewhere else in the poem and say, when I want to be quiet, let's see, we could say, <laughs> serve you muffins. <laughs> I love um, my dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or the other one that, uh, another one that feels very, feels like song lyric-y to me is deciding to wear earrings um, for the first time since I've been homebound. So maybe it's a sequence of things that you do when you want to be quiet. Mm -hmm. In my Thursday class, we also use these prompts. And I'm remembering one line that said, when I want to be quiet, but I never really want to be quiet, which struck me as a bit <laughs> lyrical too. <laughs> right. That's a great one too. We could pass I think tissues for, for tears. That's jumping out at me. Yes. That's another one that feels like a, like a song lyric to me too. Um, so what do you think? Which direction would you like to take it? We could take it, at this point, we sort of have like two ideas for how to, for the framing of this house, if you will. One could be that we have the refrains that are sung by a group and then like kind of individual lines. Or the other one is that we begin with a story of I'm a woman and a patient first and then kind of see how to string it together. Well, the first one sounds easier in a way, but the second one sounds very interesting. I mean, they both sound interesting. Which draws you more? I like both of them. I think that both of them are really um, fun threads to chase. I think for the purposes of a session that we're doing right now, I think idea one might be both, yeah, kind of easier to figure out how to put it together in the span of a podcast <laughs> episode, and also maybe more honoring the uh, the collective poem rather than kind of pulling it apart and making it to something totally different. Okay, um, yeah. Let's go with that. I think the next step is then to figure out like, well, what sort of what sort of a melody or what sort of mood do we want musically? So maybe I could put it to you because when we collaborated you often had musical ideas too and I think you heard things musically, mm. especially more and more as our collaboration went on. When you hear when I want to be quiet. Well, if right you were now, just to sing it, yeah. I'm hearing I'm hearing what you were doing earlier, which is a sort of an almost folky feel, right? Right. When I want to be quiet. Yeah. Do you feel you'd choose that line when I want to be quiet as the first of the three if you were creating a song? Not necessarily. Is a different one speaking to you? Well, I gave it the title in these strange times because mm -hmm. I felt like the other two sort of fall under the umbrella of that. Like we're talking mm -hmm. about these times and it might be different in other times. Great. Um, if we move to in these strange times, assuming that that might be what we start with, since it's a short number of syllables and we might want it to last, my inclination is to kind of draw it out a little bit. So maybe a bit more like a, a spiritual, also kind of still more folky. So like, in these strange times, strange times, 
strange times or something like that. Yeah. So that was the idea that I might run with. Um, and maybe you would harmonize it. So you have maybe like a two or three part harmony of sorts. So if we just take that uh, idea that I just came up with, it's like, in these strange times, strange times, strange times. So then you could have someone else go, in these strange times, strange times, strange times, and then kind of string it together. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's lovely. That so, brings a kind of a gospel element. Right. So we could, you know, run with that since, you know, in, in an improv way, first idea, best idea. Or we could set it aside and say, what other things could we do? We could get a little more, like, uh, modern, and maybe it's all just one note. So like, in these strange times, in these strange, strange times, in these strange times. And then, again, you could put funny, you know, harmonies around it, or nice clean melodies, or whatever you want to do. Oh, yeah, that so... taps into a really different feeling. That uh, evokes the anxiety for me. Yeah. And you can imagine that maybe it's a little more fragmented, right? So maybe it begins with one voice going, in these strange times, in these strange, strange times. And someone comes in, like, not necessarily matching the rhythm, like, in these strange times, strange times, strange times, in these strange, in these strange times. And then maybe, like, they come together for a moment and then split back out. I don't know. So then you're more kind of communicating the anxiety of all this quarantine. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, that's a more kind of choral approach. Right. Or just everybody kind of losing their mind a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what um, was it I used to say devolving into a cacophony from building right? to <laughs> in the stretch <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so yeah, that's another idea. If you were to kind of say if we now have two parts of a triangle, one of them is this more spiritual in these strange times, strange times. And then this one is a in these strange times, strange times. What's a third one that kind of feels like, oh, it's not like either of those? Hmm. In these strange times. That's right. <laughs> sort of almost hymnal. Um, that just popped into my head. <laughs> what else might there be? Yeah, there might be one that's somehow either more poppy or more rhythmic. Um, mm hmm but I like that. It's like, in these strange times, like that. Yeah. That was what had come into my head, which seems like that's already an existing melody from something. <laughs> it might be, but if we keep going with it and kind of finish the thought, maybe it'll sound really different. Or I guess another different way to go would be something more kind of minor and sad. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. In these strange times, la, 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 or something like that. Mm, yeah, um, that sounds so, more one person, you know, their story. Right, and that one feels like if we do that, at least to me, that we'd want another lyric that's very consistent. So we're like we sort of finish a longer thought about in these strange times. Oh, so there would be like the same words somehow. Maybe I seek signs of hope would go with that one. Possibly. Right. In these strange times, I seek signs of hope or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we're, we're going to finish this thing, but at least we have like three different potential directions it could go in. <laughs> Should we try for like one little verse with one of them? Yeah, let's do that. Which one is speaking to you most? Maybe the first sort of gospel-y one. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. 
So I think we have an interruption. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, hello. This is my pie. This is my my real boss these days. So beautiful. Well, um, how would you like to do this? We could pause and um, resume once she's been fed and feels better. The other option we could I, I could actually feed her while we keep going. <laughs> we could do that. Why not? Whatever. All right. Let me uh. Let me get this going then. So we may now have a counter melody and new commentary as we <laughs> work on finishing this song. Has she learned to harmonize yet? She definitely does her uh, her own free improvising for sure. I don't think she ever lacks for inspiration. She's a very much more free and spontaneous creator than I am. He's definitely still burning through to those first thoughts. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we were gonna. We were saying we were gonna. Run with the in these strange times, strange times, strange times. And if we go again with our initial idea that maybe that's sung by a group and then each, you know, a, a different person may contribute their thought, maybe we can give a bit of a structure to how people sing their solo responses. But in many cases, it might be. Maybe we could write the song such that anyone could finish that sentence in their own way. So, throwing out some melodic ideas, so like... These strange times, strange times, strange times I greatly appreciate my dogs <laughs> I seek signs of hope I'm strangely happy and peaceful so maybe the notes are like da 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 no matter what you do and you could add as many syllables as you want depending how long your response is. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the group goes ooh strange times strange times or something like like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe that could you know open up for some humor, right? Because mm -hmm. you know if someone gives a response of a pretty weird thing they're doing then the refrain of a group going ooh strange times could be Oh yeah. Kind of That's great. I love that. I haven't been out of my bathrobe in seven days. Ooh, strange times, strange times. <laughs> it fits what you were talking about. One really simple melody and then right. countering it that might be dark or might be funny. And right. <laughs> Do you want to try to just sing through one round of what a verse might sound like? Yeah. And maybe um, structure-wise... We could have someone just sing one line and have the group respond, or it could be that they have a whole series of thoughts, maybe three, that they share kind of three lines that they sing, and then the group kind of responds with the refrain. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. I could bring up the Thursday group poem too, so we'd have more responses to this particular section of it. Sure. I'll also try throwing in harmonies here and we'll see how that goes. Sure. Yeah, should we try it? We have an audience member slash commentator in the background, so. <laughs> in these strange times, strange times, strange times. I greatly appreciate my dogs. I've decided to wear earrings for the first time since I've been homebound. I seek signs of hope in these strange times. Strange times, strange times. 
I look to my dog Chloe for perspective. I'm strangely happy and peaceful. I'm so damn glad I signed up for this writing group. Oh, strange times, strange times, strange times. I'm so realizing and grateful for such interdependence in this room together struck fear in my heart oh strange times strange times strange times in these strange times i'm enjoying having more time i want to fly out the window I'm noticing the birds more Strange times, strange times, strange times. I feel like my eyes are pasted onto the computer. I feel a little guilty because I'm very happy. I have dreams about forgiveness. Strange times, strange times, strange times. I miss hugging my friends a lot. I'm alarmed by this too early glorious spring. Oh, strange times, strange times. So that's first draft. <laughs> well, that was really beautiful. <laughs> I mean, so fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being game to just kind of. <laughs> go there and see what yeah <laughs> yeah and this is a wonderful um just kind of like a way to be creative right and to because these you know words came from so many different people and like the order in which they kind of fall next to each other was happenstance and we were kind of you know pulling a melody or an idea from from thin air in real time and then it becomes something and yeah it's amazing how like the mystery of the creative process kind of like all these different threads come together. And then from there, of course, we decide, is this what we want to do with it? Is this the life we want to give it? Or is it the first thought? And now we'll move on to the next draft. Another thought that comes to mind from doing this is, how, as a creative person, do you move from a sense of scarcity to a sense of abundance? Because I find I often feel like I only have so many good ideas, or you know, if I work really hard, I might have one good idea and I need to be really careful. And the mindset of abundance is like, oh, great ideas are so free and so everywhere. And so at any given time, I'll just take a few and see if that works. And if it doesn't work, I can let it go and then grab some more. And like, they'll keep coming and they'll, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think that's a great question. How do we move to that? And I think it is, it's something about perfectionism. There's an Anne Lamott quote about perfectionism being the voice of the oppressor and the enemy of the people. <laughs> and I think we're in an, a time now where people are doing a lot more sort of sharing the process. And I feel like doing that for me has been very freeing and, and moved me towards that feeling you're talking about of, of more abundance. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to share some stuff. Maybe it's not perfect, but I'm going to get more in the habit of being willing to put it out. Yeah, I love that idea that, um, you know, just being in the habit of just creating things with less preciousness and banishing the enemy of the people is Anne Lamott. <laughs> As you said, Anne Lamott. <laughs> 
I feel like, especially in these strange times, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's great for us to sort of revisit what art is for, right? And so often we've had this whole structure around it. It's like, well, you know, certain people get to be creators that then get their things produced and put out there and find an audience and so on. And maybe it's a time for us to come back to the idea that creating art is actually for itself, right? <laughs> it's something that, you know, anybody and everybody does. And that, you know, it's a it's a force that can flow through all of us and it's not even necessarily meant to have an audience or to achieve some sort of commercial success, but it's a kind of force that's important to all of us and for all of us to get in touch with. Well, thank you so much. This has been super fun. Yeah, it's been super fun for me. Thank you for um, creating my hour of uh, time in which I got to be in creative space. <laughs> So happy to do it and to get to meet little Arcadia and have her have her voice be a part of this. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Off Leash Arts. Please join me next week when I'll be talking with artist and disability activist Gwyneth Van Laven, whose work includes photography, installation, writing, performance, and social engagement. Till then. Take good care and stay off leash.